The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. Welcome home. This is a place where we want everyone who comes to feel love, to feel, most of all, God's love, uh, a warm welcome. We want this place to feel like home. And I know that um, uh, it isn't the church isn't a place, so we don't want just this place to feel like home, but we want when we're in each other's company, to feel like we're home, whether that's in your home, over a community group, or uh, serving together on mission at the local Hope House, or wherever you might be, wherever two or three are gathered, Jesus says, there I am in your midst, and we want that to feel like home. Now, in saying that, we do want our Sunday gatherings to be a place that feels special, that feels safe, that feels welcoming, and so we're glad, if you're visiting with us this morning, Welcome, welcome home. And we, if you're looking for a church home, we pray that you would consider Hope Hill uh, to be that place. Why do we need a church? Why do we need a church home? I believe that the Bible has us, given us very clear principles of why we need to be united with one another in a place called a church. A church is not a building. It's not an organization. It's not uh, uh, something we do or go to. It's who we are. We are called to be the family of God, the people of God, on his mission, serving him. The truth is, is we're not just human beings with a body. We are human beings with a body, a mind, a spirit, and a soul. And the way our body needs certain things, food, water, shelter, our soul needs those things as well. In Genesis, the Bible tells us that you and I, we were created in God's image and in his likeness. Not just image meaning two arms, two legs, uh, 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 eyes, a mouth, and a nose, but but more image of the entire being, body, mind, spirit, and soul. We were created to be connected with our creator in a relationship, like a father and a child. And we're created to be in relationship with one another. I'm going to give us five reasons why we need one another today. Uh, and, and some of these reasons come out of five of the most important things we need as beings, human beings. Every human being needs to grow. Every human being needs support and stimulation. We need to be encouraged and motivated to keep moving on. When times get tough, we need the support and love of loved ones. We need to understand why things happen in our world uh, and, and to develop a strong, God-centered worldview. Not that God is just one worldview. God made the world. God made you and I. And so if we were truly created by him and for him, then in order for us to truly understand why life is the way it is, we need to draw close to him. And we do that through discipleship. We get support and stimulation through fellowship. We get uh, an understanding of why things are the way they are uh, through discipleship. We are wired to, to, to need the sacred and the supernatural. Everyone in every continent, in every community, in every culture worships something, whether it's a tree or the sun and the moon or or Mother Nature or worshiping oneself or worshiping your cat or your dog or your truck or your job. Everyone worships something. We're drawn to the awe, the awe of beauty of nature, the awe of stars and a beautiful sky. We're created to the awe, to something bigger than ourselves. The Bible calls us worship. And we all worship something. Whether it's the right thing or not, 
is, is, is to be determined. But we're all drawn to be worshipers. And without something that is awe-inspiring in your life, life becomes awful because we're missing something. Another thing we need in life is self-worth. Being able to know that we are needed, that there's the search for significance. And we find that self-worth, not in the way the world says, in pursuing ourselves, pursuing the needs of ourselves, pursuing uh, it's all about you, it's all about taking care of yourself, but instead putting the needs of others first. We find our significance in caring for others. The Bible calls us servants. Jesus did not consider himself in equality with God something to hold on to, but he let go of all of that, becoming less and taking on the nature of a servant, coming to die and give up his life for us. And he calls us to live that same life, dying to ourselves and becoming, being made alive in him. And we discover our mission, our purpose, our significance in life. And so those five desires, those needs, um, push us to needing to have those met. And we're, the way God designed this world and you and I as beings is to be in relationship with one, or, and have, with one another and having those needs met in something that's called a church family. In Genesis chapter 2, when God first made man, he went through all of the accounts of creation he created the sun and the moon and the stars, and he said, this is good. He created the separation of light and dark, and he says, said that was good. The separation of land and sea, and that was good. And animals and, and vegetation and all that was created, God created, and it was good. And then he created man. And then God said in, the, in Genesis chapter two eighteen, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for any of us to be alone. We are wired and created to be in relationship with one another. And so God made Eve and Adam and Eve were told to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth with others so they would live life with. And that's what church is about. It's about not just something we go to, not just an hour service on a weekend. It's life. The way we live life with one another is how we are the church. And simply put, I know some people have said, well, I love God, but I just can't stand the church. I mean, I know there are some people that get on our nerves. There are some people who, uh, that, that it takes a little extra grace to deal with them. But you know what? We all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses. And love, true love, pure love endures all and overlooks the things that need to be overlooked. And we learn to care for each other and help each other. There are over 50 one another's in the New Testament. And it's not just to be done with those who you like, but we are to do them with all, with one another, being united with one another. A Christian without the church, I don't know who said it, but this was a, a, a good quote I read. A Christian without the church and without a church family is a spiritual orphan. We are created to be in relationship with one another. So today I want to give you five things that we need from one another. That, that you can't have if you're alone. Uh, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. The first service, I had somebody raise their hand and ask who Lone Ranger was. Anybody here not know who Lone Ranger? A couple of you are like, well, I don't really know, but I'm embarrassed to raise my hand now. Um, the Lone Ranger was a, a, a cowboy who went out and uh, fought for law and justice, but he had a sidekick named Tonto who 
because he was never alone. Uh, he always had Tano who helped him out. And you and I, we need one another. So what, what are the reasons we need one another? Number one, we need each other because we need others to walk with us. How many of you enjoy walking? Anybody enjoy walking? I love going on uh, nice walks, uh, especially in the Prince William County Forest, uh, down uh, the trails along Quantico Creek. But what I love even more is enjoying that with somebody that I love, a family member or even my dog uh, or, or a friend. You know, come out and enjoy the beauty. And uh, beauty was made by God. It, it, it helps us to point us to who our creator is. And, and walks are important. And, and the Bible calls our spiritual journey a walk. And we are meant to walk through this journey together. In Colossians 2, it says, just as you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord, so walk in him. If you are, if you say in 1 John, it says, for those of us who believe in Jesus, we should walk as he walked. The spiritual journey is a walk. And we're called to walk with one another. Hebrews 10.25 puts it like this. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. And walking, simply put, is good for a number of reasons. Three quick ones. It's safe when you're walking in groups, especially in dark places. You know, it's better to have a buddy, right? Uh, who knows what could jump around the corner. If you're all alone, you could get into some sticky situations. Or it could be that you just aren't meant to be alone. How many of you have gone swimming alone and we're told, don't go swimming alone? You might get a cramp. There might be all kinds of reasons. You need to be with somebody else. It's safer to be with one another. Number two, it's supportive. If you, how, anybody out there run a marathon ever? Anybody ever tried to run and you just couldn't make it? You had to give up? Uh, I've never run a marathon yet, but I've, I've, I've tried to run. And when I'm running alone, it's a lot easier to quit than when I'm running with somebody who's running with me. Because they can encourage you. They can push you on. You get that support. And in life, there are a lot of things that come our way that make us just feel like we want to give up. But when we have somebody walking with us, they're there to be with us through the good times and the bad. An old African proverb says, if you want to run fast, run alone. But if you want to run far, run with others. We're meant to be in relationship with one another. Number three, um, it's smarter to be with others. It's smarter. You learn from others when you walk through life's journey with somebody else. Uh, in the Proverbs, it says, only fools trust in what they alone know. And it also says, wisdom is found in a multitude of counselors. So we're not called to live life alone. Community, which is what we can call the church, if we're truly living uh, the way we're called to live, if we're not just going to church, but we're being the church, we develop a healthy community. And community is the answer for many things in life. Community is God's answer for loneliness. The holidays can be a great time of year, but it's also a time where many people feel alone. Many people over the years have lost a loved one. There are some people in our community that have members of their family deployed during this time of year. It can feel alone. And so God gives us one another so that we can be a part of a family a community, and you can find that here. 1 Corinthians 14.30 says, actually, this is a, a highlights from 1 Corinthians 14.26-30. I'm going to read a couple key phrases from the message. When you gather, each one of you should be prepared with something useful for all, whether it's singing a song or teaching a lesson 
or telling a story or leading a prayer or providing an insight. Take your turn with no one person taking over. That way you will learn from one another. Each of us have a role to play. The Bible tells us that each of us have a part, like like the body has a number of parts. We have our hands, we have our feet, we have our nose, we have our spleen. Uh, We have all kinds of parts. Some are more visible than others, but each part is needed. Even a big toe. How important is a toe? It's pretty important. It helps you balance. Without it, you'll be wobbly. And if you hurt it, if you stub it, the whole body feels it, right? You been there? When one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us each part does its work, and it helps the other parts grow. So Christ's whole body is healthy and growing and full of love when we all are doing our part. The Bible also says that in order to walk with others, we need to learn the gift of hospitality, the gift of making your home the family's home. I talked about this last week. If you come to my house and knock, something's wrong with you. You're not yet a part of the family. We say when you come to our house, just walk on in. We want our home to feel like your home. You're our family. We want you to feel like it. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 9, open your homes to each other without complaint. Now, I know that can be tough, but in all of life, we're called to serve one another, to care for one another, to walk with one another. Number two, we don't only need to walk with one another, but we need to come to a place where we realize our need to work with others as well. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that God created us for certain works. You and I were created with certain purpose. God knew that you'd be here today. God knows what you're doing tomorrow. He knows the teams you're a part of. He knows the place where you work. He knew this. Nothing in your life surprises him. And before the foundation of the world, God prepared works for you and I to do. And we were meant to do them together. Ephesians 2.10 says, God made us to do good works, which he planned in advance for us to do while living our lives doing them. In Ecclesiastes 4.9, it tells us two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. Today, after service, uh, a few of us were going to stay after uh, from about 12.15 to about 1 o'clock and 45 minutes. We'll pack up all the equipment you see behind me. We'll pack up all the stuff you see out in the, in the hallways and in the classrooms where our children are. We have ministry teams that work together. There are some weeks when a lot of you are on vacation, and, and there's fewer of us, and sometimes one or two have to work and do everything, and that's hard. And so God didn't call us to do this work together. I mean, to do it alone. He called us. You, John, you said it. I don't have to be on the team. Um, he called us to do it together. Today, I'm on the, on the team to move the trailer. Have, how many of you have seen our big, long 26-foot trailer? We have a 15-passenger van. We'll pull that trailer up. All of this stuff gets put into carts. We'll push it onto the trailer, and we'll go and park it. Kevin's on vacation this week. A number of our other transportation team members are out, and so it's my job today. I would love to be able to go deeper and develop deeper benches by teaching you. So if you would like to learn how to move the trailer today, meet me outside at 1 o'clock, okay? It's better to do it together, and I'll show you exactly how to do it, where it goes, and that way you can become a part of the team and help us out. 
We need one another. Doing work alone is tiresome. It can bring despair. You can feel defeated. When everyone understands and has their role as a family member, when you show up to Thanksgiving and you smell the pumpkin pie cooking and the turkey, you don't walk in and say, wow, I'm ready, serve me. Well, maybe you do, but you shouldn't. Instead, you walk in, you smell the good stuff cooking, and you walk into the kitchen and say, how can I help? Um, That's hopefully what you're doing, okay? I see some elbows going on out there. And um, we are made to serve with one another, to work with one another, each person playing their part. Community and working together is God's answer to fatigue. If you feel tired, maybe you're doing too much alone. Find a brother or sister who you can encourage to start joining you in the work. Galatians 6.10 puts it like this. Um, Every time we get the chance, let us work together for the benefit of all, starting with, with the people closest to us, those in the community of faith. So the action point, first, the first point, number one, your action point was join a community group. Action point number two is join a ministry team. All right, so if you would like to join a ministry team, we've got a place for you. If you don't want to hold babies, that's fine. I don't like changing diapers either. You can go learn how to push play, okay? We'll, we'll teach you how to push buttons, how to work machines, how to, how to do all that kind of stuff. We need a team. We need a family. So, the action plan, join a ministry team. Number three, we don't only need uh, others to walk with and to work with, but we also need others to watch out for us. I need others to watch out for me. Philippians 2.4 says, look out for one another's interests and not just your own. We need people at times to warn us when we're going the wrong direction. We need people to encourage us when we feel like quitting. We need people to simply watch out for us. You know, how many people are in your life do you have that are literally watching your back, making sure that you're doing the right thing in a good way, in an encouraging way? Do you have a brother or sister that you can draw close to when times get tough? And they can, or maybe even better, the kind of friends that even before you ask, they see you struggling and they come up and say, hey, how can I help you today? What's going on? I feel like I need to encourage you. I'm here to help. Open up your heart to me. I'm here for you. That's what we need in one another. There's also times when we need each other through, through when we make stupid choices, when we fall into temptation, when we get tangled up in our habits and hurts and hang-ups. The Bible tells us that we have an enemy who's seeking to, to, to knock us down, to, to devour us, to lie, to kill, to steal, and destroy. And we need others watching our back at times like that. A person standing alone, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, the per, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We are called to watch out for each other. Who's got your back? Whose back do you have? Who's in your life? Are you part of a community group where you can be real with one another? Where you've got a couple close friends in that group who you, who, who you open up with about all of life's struggles? Community is God's answer to defeat. There are things in our life that on our own will, will, will drive us to defeat, will be our downfall. But if we have somebody else in our life watching out for us, 
they can help us to avoid falling. But if and when we do fall, they can also help us get back up. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall, they're in real trouble. Who's in your life? Who, who has your back? Whose back do you have? Number four, we also need others to wait with us at times and to weep with us at times. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.8, you should be like one big family full of sympathy towards one another. There are times in life when tragedy will come, when hardship will come, and no one should have to go through things like that in, uh, alone in life. The kind of things like waiting in a waiting room at a hospital for someone to be finished with surgery. I know there were people waiting, praying for Dave and Nicole as they went and had beautiful big boy Davey this week. 10 pounds, 14 ounces. My goodness. We need one another to be in each other's lives during that time of waiting. During that time of waiting for news that could be bad. That could be life-changing. Waiting for someone to show up who you're hoping will come. But just in case, having somebody there in the end would make everything better. When we go through life and suffering alone, this brings despair. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one member of your body suffers, all should suffer together. And community is God's answer to despair. He's given us one another so that when the tough times come, we go through them with one another. Romans 12.5 puts it like this. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. I know that when I first was being taught how to do hospital visits, uh, a church I was first working at, a, a pastor friend, mentor of mine was, was, was telling me, he was like, now, John, what are you afraid of? And I was like, I'm just afraid I may not know the right things to say. Some of these people are dealing with things I've never even had to go through or deal with on my own. How am I supposed to even help? And he said, you know, sometimes just being there, just sitting by their side, just holding their hand, just praying for them. You don't have to have the answers to all the world's questions. Sometimes just the ministry of presence, simply being there, goes a lot further than we could ever believe or imagine being with one another. Community is God's answer to despair. Encourage each other and strengthen one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Let us learn to lean on each other and to be there with each other when times get tough. Number five, I need others to witness with me. Witness with me. I'm talking about sharing the gospel, that's true, but also just celebrating and witnessing the good works of God, coming together for corporate worship, celebrating beautiful traditions and creating new ones. We come together around events and activities and we um, celebrate with one another and we love as one another others who need to be loved. John thirteen thirty five says, this is how people will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. In the New Living Translation, it says, your love will 
for one another and with one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Our mission that God has given us is not just to feed, feed the hungry and clothe the poor. It is to love people into the arms of our Father. It's to love them to Jesus. Our people that we reach aren't going to come to know God and his love simply by the programs that we do or the buildings we build, but how? How we love one another. 2 Timothy 1.7 says it like this. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid of people. Many times we're timid and we, we, we feel reserved. We don't want to, I don't want to upset someone. I don't want to disrespect them. What if they don't believe the way that I believe? Love them anyway. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid of people, but instead to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. The Living Bible, 2 Timothy 1.7. God's answer to fear is community. I remember going on a missions trip as a junior in high school. I think Gary went on that trip as well. We, we went with our youth group to Jamaica. And one of the projects we were sent out to do was to go out and we were challenged to go and share the gospel. We were taught how to share the gospel. Uh, the Romans Road is what it was called, a, a certain group of verses from the book of Romans that uh, presented to someone that we were, are all sinners, that uh, in, in light of our sin, in spite of our sin, there's still a gift of salvation, and that if we believe in God and with our heart and call out to him with our mouth, that he would be willing to be our Lord. And so... Um, Pastor Ed was his name. He was like, okay, I'm about to send you out to the local village where you'll get to share this with men and women and boys and girls. And my hands just started to sweat to the point they began to drip. Um, that doesn't take much. I don't know if you can see the light glistening right now off my hands. TMI, right? Sorry about that. Um, but I was, my, my stomach got in knots. I was like, man, we have to do this. Uh, how, how? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I stumble? And, and he said, don't worry, we're going to do it like Jesus did it, and I'm going to send you out two by two. And all of a sudden, all the pressure was almost relieved. Uh, I knew that I had somebody else who was going to do it with me, and that's how Jesus wants us to live life, to be on mission with one another. He sends us out as, uh, as, as a body, not as an individual. In Philippians 1.27, it says, you are working together and struggling side by side to get others to believe the good news. Philippians 1, 27. And so this place, we want it to be a gathering place for us as family. We need one another. As I've clearly unfolded for you a number of scriptural truths showing the reason we need each other, to support each other, to care for each other, to encourage each other, to to uh, remind each other of the mission, to keep us on track. There is a mission that God has called for us to do. And if you are a child of God, God has a mission and a purpose for you. And we want you to feel like this is your home. This is a place where we want you to come into the kitchen, to roll up your sleeves and help us cook and help us serve and enjoy eating together. As we head into this holiday season, let us strive and work together to decorate the house, so to say, to get things all in the right place and to be ready for those who haven't been home in a while because this season is going to bring some new people and 
we want to be ready to show them love. Our love, but more importantly, the love of our Father. So, at the beginning, I told you to think of three names. Do you have them? Right now, either in the margin of your Bible or in the notes you have there in your handout, I want you to write down those three names right now. And we're all going to wait until you do it. I'm serious. Start writing. Who is it that God has put in your life at your place of work that he wants you to reach out to, to possibly even just an extend an invitation to one of our family services coming up in the next couple weeks? Which neighbor is it that God is placing on your heart right now? You can see their face. Which member of your class or your team Somebody you run into often in the slug line or at your local coffee shop who serves you. They know you by name. Do you know theirs? And even if you can't think of their name right now, maybe just write down the description, the person I see every time I walk my dog. Who is it that God is laying on your heart right now? That God desperately wants them to know him as father. He wants them to become a part of his family. And God has put us on, us on the earth to be his hands and feet, to be his ambassadors, his sent ones, to go out and to invite them in. The passage of scripture I'm going to share with you next week. Jesus is telling the story about a man who throws a banquet. And he says, I want everyone to come and enjoy this banquet. So go out and bring in the lame, the hurting, the broken, everyone you can, bring them in. And the servants come back and say, we've done that. And there's still room at the table. And he says, go out to the highways and the byways. I want my table to be full. Jesus wants us to know him as his brother, our brother. Our Father wants everyone to know Him as their Heavenly Father. And He wants us to go out and to bring them back. He wants His table full. Who is it that God has put in your life that He's wanting you to reach? As our worship team comes up, I want to challenge you in a couple ways. We're going to have a response time where, one, we reflect on why any of this is possible. At the four corners of this room, there's a table set up with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. This is remembering back to when Jesus said on the night that he was going to be arrested, he took the bread and he said, as you, often as you eat of this bread, I want you from now on to remember my body that will be broken for you. And as we eat of that bread, let us remember he was broken so that we could be made whole. He took the cup and he said, as often as you taste of this cup, I want you to remember my blood that will be shed for you. And so in a minute, we're going to invite you to go to any one of the four corners of the room to remember as an act of worship and reflection what Jesus did for us and now the life he's calling us to live for him. You can also at that time worship through the act of giving of tithes and offerings. There's a empty basket on each table if you would like to give an offering. But the third thing I want you to do today, 
is I want you to take a time of prayer over those names, and I want you to say them out loud. While the music worship, worship music is playing, I want you to pray, pray their names out loud. God, open up the heart of Jim. Provide an opportunity for me to speak with Stephanie. Help me to be used to reach out to my neighbor who I don't even know their name yet. These people, God, I pray that you would use me to reach because I know that you want them to be a part of your family. Father God, move in this room now, I pray. Help us to understand our need for our family and help us to understand your desire that all would come to know you so that all could be a part of your family. And show us, God, how you want to use us to be the instrument in your hands to reach those who do not yet know you. God, I also just pray right now for those in this room who may not know you as Savior and Lord. Maybe you're in this room and you're you're not even sure how you came to church, why you're here. Maybe you're in this room and you've been coming for a while, but if you're honest, you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord. The Bible says that at any moment, you can choose to put your hope and trust in him, believing that he went to the cross in your place, dying for your sin and mine, and that any who would believe in him and accept his love and his death and their place to those he gives the right to become children of God. The Bible says that if we confess that we are sinners and that we need him as our savior, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so here in this moment right now, you can call out to him and say, Jesus, thank you for taking my place on the cross. Thank you for dying for me and my sins. Forgive me for the wrong things that I've done. Help me now to learn to walk as you walked. Help me to learn to follow you. I give my life to you. Thank you for giving me yours. In your name we pray.